This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Healthy Versus Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's video answers the questions, how can someone be successful with online dating? How can somebody find a romantic partner that is out of their league? And what's the science behind online dating? So the science behind online dating is actually fascinating, and many of the statistics that I'll be talking about in this video are really surprising. I've added some thoughts from my clinical experience and consulting I've done in the area of online dating as well. The articles I use for this video are based on the habits and outcomes of heterosexual participants, mostly seeking long-term relationships. I'll put the references for those articles in the description for this video. So people often meet for the first time face-to-face, -face, whether at work, school, gym, the store, church, a bar, or through an introduction from a mutual friend. However, online dating is changing that. It's quickly becoming one of those popular ways to meet a prospective romantic partner. We see that the use of online dating websites is increasing for all age categories, and if we look at the gender division, we see that 53% of the users of online dating websites are male and 47% are female. Now, 63% of married couples say that they met their partner through a friend. So that's a fairly popular way to meet, as I mentioned. There's a 17% chance that when you meet somebody using that method, that you will like them. 9% of women and 2% of men report finding a relationship at a bar or a club. So not very high numbers there. So where are people finding partners? Well, right now about 20% of those in current committed relationships, I'll refer to these as long-term relationships, began the long-term relationship online. Now this shift over toward online dating is both good and bad. On the negative side, we see that people tend to get overwhelmed with the incredibly large number of options on these online dating websites. And this causes lazy comparison strategies, right? This is one of the downsides of online dating. The strongest example of this is the physical attractiveness emphasis, right? So people just look at the physical attractiveness of somebody and then they make their determination from there. They would not necessarily do that if they didn't have so many options. Another criticism, another negative of online dating is this idea that it's destroying 
weaker marriages. So in weaker marriages, marriages where the satisfaction is low, we see that infidelity and just leaving these two occurrences are at a higher risk when somebody has a lot of options through online dating. Now, interestingly, some look at this as a positive. Some look at these marriages and say, well, if they're weak, they shouldn't exist. And online dating is really doing something good there. I don't know if this is really good or bad. It's just the way it is right now with online dating. And we'll have to see how things play out. So in terms of this overwhelmed part, we see that having many options diminishes the attractiveness of what people actually choose, right? So this is important. Three factors that determine the strength of commitment would be overall satisfaction with the relationship, the investment one has put into the relationship, like time, effort, emotions, shared experiences, and the quality of perceived alternatives. The satisfaction and the quality of alternatives, these two factors are affected by the large number of options we see with online dating. But either way, for better or worse, online dating is here to stay. And getting good at finding people through online dating does require some adapting, right? If somebody's looking for an optimal mate, they have to adjust to what we see here with online dating, the different factors that seem to be important, the way it kind of works. We see that nonverbal cues that would be present in face-to-face dating, like tone of voice, gestures, mannerisms, posture, they're not present in electronic messaging. So that part's just gone altogether. Proximity and exposure factors, which we know are important when somebody's trying to find a relationship in a traditional way, not in an online dating environment, we know these factors are removed as well. People are more attracted to those around them, people that they're exposed to, and that part is just gone, again, with online dating. Now, in order to be effective, we need to know what men and women are looking for, right? We do see some marked gender differences when it comes to online dating, just like we see differences when it comes to traditional dating. When considering an ideal long-term partner, we see that physical attractiveness is crucial to both men and women but it's considered marginally more important to men. Some studies say it's considered much more important to men. But either way, we know it generally tends to be more important to men as opposed to women. We know that social status increases a woman's evaluation of potential dates, but that's not the case for men. Women also value industriousness, earning capacity, and ambition more so than men. Now, the role of physical attractiveness really can't be overstated. It affects a number of other areas. For example, the more attractive a person is, the more attractive their personal description is rated. So the description that somebody puts in their personal profile appears more attractive if they're more attractive. So essentially, it even makes up for poor writing skills. So we kind of see this idea of attraction being so powerful that we say, what can't attraction do, right? What can't it compensate for? It compensates for a lot of potential perceived deficits. Now, in looking at other factors, we see that both men and women tend to want kindness, expressiveness, intelligence, and a sense of humor. Both men and women want the same pattern of communication, one that involves empathy, support, asking questions, and sharing experiences. Women strongly prefer this style of communication, whereas men only tend to slightly favor this particular pattern of communication. Now, because physical attractiveness is so important, like I talked about before, 
We know that photographs become really important in terms of online profiles, right? First impressions are critical when selecting a potential dating partner, and physical attractiveness has a large effect on this initial reaction. So one strategy that I think kind of makes sense is to use all good pictures, right? I mean, I guess this seems kind of obvious, but sometimes we see dating profiles that have really unfavorable pictures, just pictures that the way they're arranged aren't good choices, right? They're not necessarily flattering. And if somebody wants to maximize their chances of finding an optimal mate, they really do have to put their best pictures in the profile. I think it makes sense to put the best picture, the most attractive picture first, and the second best last. So this is really connected to the idea of primacy and recency, right? So people tend to remember what they see first in a list and what they see last in a list. So it kind of makes sense to put the best picture in the very first spot and the next best picture in that last spot. That's what's going to stay in somebody's mind. And again, that impression is important. What about the idea of honesty? We know that deception seems to be popular in terms of online dating. Now, the idea that online daters frequently, explicitly, and intentionally lie is not actually completely accurate. There are many lies, though. We see inaccuracies tend to be small and related to factors like height, weight, and age, although it's important to note that not everyone would agree that those types of inaccuracies are no big deal. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, in terms of the description, the description should be well-written, and it should emphasize career development. This is more for men. And for both men and women, it should, of course, emphasize those factors I mentioned before, like kindness and intelligence. I would say that there's no real need to make an effort to address weaknesses in the description. I would say instead it makes more sense to appear confident, right? People will figure out the weaknesses that'll come up. You don't necessarily want to mention that in the description and draw attention to that. Other people have recommended other strategies in terms of weaknesses, like addressing them really saliently in the description, but I don't know, that doesn't necessarily seem like a great idea to me, again, to maximize the chance of finding an optimal mate. So the next question is, who should somebody message, right? So this kind of gets back to that original question, can you find somebody out of your league? Is there a way to find somebody who's out of your league when using online dating? Well, Users of online dating sites tend to spend most of their time trying to contact people who are out of their league. We know that most online dating users tend to message people who are about 25% more desirable than they are. That tends to be the gap, right? And that's a fairly significant gap. That's a large 
size difference. Now, both men and women also message people in the same league, right? So we really see a strategy here for both men and women where they combine aspirational mate pursuit with less risky prospects, right? So they're diversifying with the strategy. They're going after people they think are in their own league and people that are out of their league. So can you attract somebody out of your league? Is this possible? Well, leagues are really continuous, not distinct. Like height or weight, that's a continuous variable, but distinct categories would be something like general, colonel, lieutenant colonel, major, and captain. Attracting the attention of someone who is out of your league is entirely possible in terms of statistics and probability. The chances of receiving a reply from a desirable partner may be low, but they're not zero, right? So there's always a chance. However, with that reduced probability, a person is going to have to work harder and they're going to have to wait longer in order to make progress with that particular strategy. So what about the strategy for sending messages? People have a lot of different ideas around this topic. Some say that there should be very selective messaging, so sending messages to a few people, but making those messages long. In terms of the research literature, the strategy that seems to make sense is actually one that involves short and frequent messages. We also see that men who use less positive language are more desirable to women. So that's a part of it too. So now that we know there is a desirability continuum, how does age affect one's position on that continuum? Well, we see that men's desirability peaks at age 50. But if we look at like the graph and look at the age of men on this graph, it's fairly flat from 40 all the way through 70. So yes, 50 is technically the peak, but men, in terms of online dating anyway, are highly desirable from 40 to 70. Women's desirability starts very high at age 18, right? So we see a very high level of desirability at that level, and it tends to fall throughout their lifespan. So we see very different profiles in terms of desirability and age when comparing men to women. At age 26, we see that women have more online pursuers than men, but at age 48, men have twice as many online pursuers as women. So what about selection strategy, right? So is selection based on matching? Do people try to match characteristics that are similar? Or is it about a consensus about who is attractive? So is it about similarity or do people seem to know who's attractive? Is there kind of like a standard that everybody seems to agree with? Interestingly, both similarity and some sort of consensus idea are relevant to selection strategy. We see there is a consensus about who's desirable and it does create a hierarchy of desirability so that individuals, at least in principle, can be ranked from the most attractive to the least attractive. And the ranking will predict to what extent they are pursued by others. And as I mentioned before, a large gap tends to be created there. A lot of people look to profiles where they see that person as much more desirable than themselves. Interestingly, hardly any online dating users contact partners who are significantly less desirable. So in terms of similarity, what seems to make a difference with similarity would be education and race and ethnicity. People tend to look for partners who are in the same educational level, have attained roughly the same level, and that are similar in terms of race and ethnicity. In terms of people pursuing a higher ranking person, so to speak, we see that physical attractiveness and income are the two key factors, right? So people look 
for others that are more attractive than themselves, and they look for people who have a higher income. Now, specifically looking at education for men, we see that a more educated man is almost always more desirable. So individuals with a doctoral degree are more attractive than individuals with a master's degree. Somebody with a master's degree is more attractive than somebody with a bachelor's degree. And a man with a bachelor's degree is more desirable than a man with a high school diploma. For women, though, it's a different story. We see that the bachelor's degree is optimal. And additional education, like a master's or a doctorate, actually tends to decrease attractiveness. I've seen some make the suggestion that women should not mention a degree above a bachelor's degree for this reason. But I don't really like that idea. First of all, we know that honesty tends to pay in online dating, interestingly. But second, would you really want somebody who considers a higher level of education a deal breaker in a relationship, right? So I think it's just a good idea to be honest and upfront with the educational status that you have. So what about who messages who first, right? So this is an interesting discussion, and we see this discussed in the research literature. 80% of first messages that occur through online dating are from men. And this strategy actually pays off for men. Initiating contacts does not pay off as much for women, although it still pays off. It's still a good idea to send initial messages. Women do receive a high volume of messages, which may be one of the reasons they don't send as many initial messages. We see that women reply very selectively to the messages they receive from men. The average reply rate is less than 20%. When women approach men, when they send that initial message, they have a 50% chance of receiving a response. So with all this in mind, what is the best strategy for finding an optimal mate through online dating? Well, I would say that the research literature supports the idea of aiming high. So sending out messages and seeking people that are more desirable than you believe that you are. It makes sense to send many short messages that are not too positive. That's more important for men, as I mentioned before. It makes sense to emphasize factors that are attractive as appropriate, like education, status, income. It makes sense to put a lot of effort into photos, not just kind of picking any photographs, but to really carefully select photographs. Try to connect some of those photos with those other factors. For example, using photos that show ambition, like photos at work or fixing something or building something. Also, it makes sense to have an excellent description that doesn't have grammatical errors and to have a description that projects confidence. It makes sense to be picky and to take your time. Online dating should be thought of as a long-term strategy, as a strategy that's not necessarily going to pay off in a week or two. It could take months. It could even take years. Of course, there needs to be some sort of limit, right? You wouldn't want to take like 10 or 20 years to find the optimal mate. But I think it does make sense to kind of budget four or six months before getting too worried in terms of like what types of responses that you're seeing. I would also say that it doesn't make sense to ignore messages unless you're absolutely positive somebody isn't a fit, right? So if you look at a message and you look at the pictures and the profile and you say, well, that's not happening, right? That's never happening. Then, okay. But otherwise, ignoring messages reduces the number of potential people that you could connect with. And if you're ignoring those messages, it makes sense that other people may be ignoring those messages as well. So not ignoring them could actually provide some sort of advantage, right? You're looking at people that other people may be skipping. So again, though, this all has to be budgeted in terms of time. If you're working with a few people, 
if you're kind of messaging back and forth and making progress with certain people and you'd have to take away from that in order to not ignore messages, then it may make more sense to invest the time in the few people, right? So, you know, it's hard to say in any particular case, but in general, the strategies I mentioned here tend to make sense based on what we see in the research literature. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.